You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 315. You know, David, last week I said it was 313. And then when I was editing the show, well, it wasn't even editing. I went to, to name it and I noticed I already had a 313. I went, oh. Well, I guess this is 314 then. <laughs> yeah. If only somebody regularly wrote it at the top of the notes what the episode was, and then somebody else accidentally deleted it. Yeah, well, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> I hit select all and delete after the one before. I know. Uh, I know that's how you do it. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, for our notes, we actually use Apple's notes now. I, for a while, we were using Google yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but honestly notes is just as good for what we use it for anyways. Yeah. I, what I like about notes is that I can, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm reading something pretty much anywhere on my Mac devices, I can just use a share sheet to send it straight to notes. And I don't have to think about it. Yep. Um, so, so that's the advantage for me over, over the Google one. And it's on all my devices too, without having to launch a web browser, log into Google. It's just, it's notes. It's on my Mac. It's on my iPad. It's on my iPhone. It's, it's always with me. Now that's because we live in the Apple universe too. I mean, if we were on, you know, a a Chromebook all the time and an Android phone, we'd have the same capabilities. It just wouldn't be Apple notes. But I guess you get the same. I presume you get the same um, abilities with with uh, with Google Docs on on those devices. It, I guess it just depends which which um, ecosystem you're living in. But yep. um, yeah, it, I mean, iCloud gets a bad rap, but actually, um, Apple Notes is really is really kind of good. It's not failed as yet. I like it so far. You know. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't like how it does previews of the web page and you have to double click it to launch it rather than just yeah. a URL. That's kind of strange. Mm. Um, and I've noticed actually on the web version of, um, of iCloud.com on there, none of the links, even just a straight URL are clickable, which is that's weird. Really, well, it's, it's, it's more than weird. I mean, that that's actually a, a real negative. Um, because obviously, if you're looking at something on a web page and you see a URL and you can't click it, that's really kind of dumb. I wonder why they do that. Presumably because they've got that one guy who's looking after it, as we were talking about last week. Huh. <laughs> well, let's uh, yeah. jump into our feedback right here at the top of the show. And of course, we love feedback. We love to hear from you guys. We got quite a bit of it this week after last week's yeah. show. Uh, we encourage you guys to send us feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com or simply hit us up on Twitter. It's either at my Mac or at techfanpodcast. Uh, David and I both uh, monitor at techfanpodcast. I think you created that one, didn't you, or did I? I, I did. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, of course, I've been at my Mac forever on uh, Twitter. But the first one, our ongoing saga, David to get the tech fan sticker pack popular look if you're on an ios machine i.e an iphone an ipad you have got to go download our sticker pack donnie created this for us what over a year ago and then a few weeks ago donnie started seeing donnie yankelo contributor at mymac.com uh an app writer uh an artist a teacher he's awesome um and very tall by the way it was kind of 
humbling when I was standing there next to him and Guy Searle in Baltimore two years ago, and they just towered <laughs> over me. Jesus. Now you know how. Now you know how I feel like all yeah. the time. Yeah, all the time. Um, <laughs> David hates going to the Cub Scout meetings. It's just demeaning. <laughs> um, so he created the sticker pack for us when we were thankful, and we promoted it a couple times on the show, and just kind of forgot about it to be honest. Because like David, I don't I don't use stickers on my on my iPhone, and I I would imagine most of you listening don't either. But all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, we get an email from Donnie saying that he's seeing a consistent uptick in the people installing the Tech Fan sticker pack, and he couldn't figure out why. And of course, neither could we because we hadn't promoted it on the show in a while. And so we thought it would be fun to kind of push it. So we've had updates the last two weeks, and you know, at one point, um, it was getting downloaded like fifty times a day. Now we assume that we've been promoting it here on the show, it's got to be coming from that. So if you haven't downloaded it, please do so. And the latest update from Donnie says over 300 downloads in the past three days, which means now we're averaging a hundred <laughs> per day. Yeah. It's not sustainable. I couldn't imagine, but no. that's, that cracks me up. I think it's fantastic. And of course at the moment we're not making any money on this, but, um, you know, we, we will make it up in volume. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a free sticker pack for those who are wondering. It doesn't cost you a dime. You never have to use them. But hey, jump on there and, and just install the sticker pack. We want those numbers to keep going up. Why? For shits and giggles. That's why. It's funny. <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah. And if it helps Donnie out, if it makes you know the rankings for his other stuff popular, cool. Benefit. Yeah, because he's a great artist, actually, and he's got a whole load he of other sticker packs, and they're all awesome. So. Yeah, he's got val uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, I believe he's got Christmas. I know he's got the Halloween ones. Uh, I actually installed the Halloween ones. Um, yeah, go go check it out, you know, and follow the link to Donnie's other stickers. He's got really cool stuff. Uh, he's got a kid's book out there. It's Donnie's awesome. I, I don't know where he gets all the time. Yep. I don't have time to eat uh -huh. lunch half the time. <laughs> so, so thanks very much donnie thank you guys for downloading the tech fan sticker pack for messages it's awesome um we spent quite a bit of time in the last episode david talking about our our problems with wire now wire is the app that we went to the web services it's free uh because we had so many problems with skype and we started having a lot of problems with wire and so we put the call out there. Hey, what's, what are you guys using? Is there something out there maybe we should take a look at? Because wire just kept failing us and we're using it right now. We're still on wire. Um, yep. David's been at a trade show all week and, um, or an expo, I guess, in Las Vegas, VMworld, correct? VMworld. And, indeed. and I've been working, of course, and I, we're, I haven't, I've got the feedback. I've looked at a couple of them, but I haven't downloaded or even explored them yet. I'm going to. It's just I've been so busy, and so has David. So we're still looking for feedback on what service we should possibly look at. And we've got some really good feedback, including Gaz from um, uh, the, the MyMac podcast, Gazmaz. And he said, um, re TechFan314, having had similar issues with Skype this week, Carl uses and pays for Zencaster. So that's interesting. I've heard of Zencaster, but I never really looked at it. 
So Zencaster is one of these um, services where effectively you you communicate with their servers and they record everything for you. Um, uh, it's a paid service, but that means that you all the stuff that you, that you're currently doing with GarageBand and a mixer and everything like that they do do for you on uh, in the cloud, and then you can even edit and do post production on the um, on the service on the on the recordings after you've finished. Or they can do it automatically for you. I'm interested so it, in that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, you know, so uh, and and obviously, as we mentioned, as a paid service, you expect better performance because they've got money to put yes. into it. Whereas with Skype or Wire and stuff like that, obviously, we, we're not really sure where the funding comes from. Absolutely, in terms of maintaining maintaining it. So Simon, a uh, podcaster from the Essential Apple Podcast, wrote uh, a really good email to us. Go ahead with that one, David. He said, wow, guys, why has really let you down this week? Bizarrely, I recorded a show with Kelly Gimont and Mark Saturday evening, UK time, and we were on for three and a half hours solid with only one tiny issue where I lost Mark, but Kelly could still hear him. I left the group chat and came back in and all was good. We have had occasional issues, often when Mark's internet wasn't great, but not the problems you've had. Um, yeah, obviously, normally I'm recording in places um, like when I'm recording at home, the internet is not is not ideal, and, and we've often put problems down to that. So, um, yeah, who knows? But but certainly, um, last week and this week, I'm in a, um, a Vegas hotel where the internet is really good, so so that's not an issue. Remember when hotel Wi-Fi was notoriously a bit bad? It was just terrible. It, oh, great hotel Wi-Fi! It's going to be terrible. But I think in it's probably still true with some of the smaller hotels and stuff, but. I think in Vegas, there's an expectation that if I'm going to be jumping on Wi-Fi, it better damn work, especially with how much money Vegas has. And the whole thing's geared around tourism. So if you're a big hotel and you've got terrible Wi-Fi, especially with social media nowadays, that's eh, a problem. Yeah, and funnily enough, um, the Wi-Fi here went, did go down yesterday afternoon for a little bit. Um, and... Um that was kind of annoying, really, because in, in, in Vegas with the big hotels, you pay a resort fee, and the resort fee is meant to cover things like the Wi-Fi, and it's like $30 a day. So if the Wi-Fi doesn't work, people are going to be coming looking for refunds on that because obviously the resort fee is, is a bit of a bit of a hack to, to allow them to get extra money. Um, and um, most hotels are able to deliver the Wi-Fi without charging you $30 a day. Right. Um, the weird thing is, the more expensive the hotel is, the more likely they they are to charge you for the Wi-Fi. Imagine that. If you go to a cheap motel; they normally have. It might be bad, but it, they normally have the Wi-Fi for free. Whereas if you go to the Four Seasons, they'll charge you extra for the Wi-Fi. I'd rather pay if it works. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and and of course the problem with a, with a hotel is you're going to be sharing it with a lot of people who are doing uh, yeah. high. They're normally streaming porn over it, so yep. um, it's going to be busy. That, oh no, you know, I sat in a Vegas hotel over a year, two years ago now, I guess, um, and I watched the entire season of Daredevil <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> that was my, I, you know, because I, I kept myself on East Coast time, so I'm up three, four hours before anything starts opening up, so I'm sitting there watching Daredevil. That was cool. Yeah, I, I think, I, you know, I'm, I make the the, the joke about the porn, but actually, I, I, I expect a lot of people do stream Netflix, um, Netflix and YouTube in hotels. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He's. Uh, well, Simon goes on regarding listener numbers. 
I think if you're running a podcast like most of us do for the pleasure of it, then seeing listen numbers grow is right, quite rightly a matter of pride. However, I don't see why you want to brag about it on the show. Yeah, kind of agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Our listens for Essential Apple have grown slowly over time. Since joining the MyMac Podcasting Network, though, we've seen a definite improvement in growth. So thank you for that and to everyone on the network who helps cross-promote us. Of course, we've also tried to work hard getting interesting guests and promoting our shows by tweeting, etc. You get nothing for nothing right. And that's, of course, uh, the Essential Apple Podcast, part of the MyMac Podcasting Network. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Simon. I, I like when I see the numbers going up, sure. But I, I don't necessarily do the show because of the numbers. Um, sure, Dave and I like to reach the, the largest, broadest audience possible. But it still comes down to to me anyways, David, that I, I just love doing it, you yeah. know? And I've been podcasting longer than almost anybody on the planet at this point. I mean, true podcasting, audio on demand. I started in, in 2004. That's a long time ago. That's 13 years. And I still love it. I still really enjoy doing it. If we had 10 listeners, I don't think anything would really change, David. I We'd still be recording the same show. Um, we probably won't have a sponsor, (laughs) uh, but you know, it's, it's, to me, it's fun and it gives us a chance, uh, for an hour every week just to talk. Yeah. Yeah. To talk and to not only that, talk about things that we really enjoy talking about, which Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, really kind of important. It's It's a great, it's a great outlet for me because it's completely different to what i the rest of what i'm doing most of the time um, me too and uh it's something that's uh you know important and, and fairly precious to me i, I kind of get i get cranky when um circumstances mean that i can't do it so uh, i do too yep yeah. although sometimes it's nice to take a little vacation yeah yeah that's true then um, i get to listen to um, like you and owen like, doing I, it i was about to say maybe the listeners get cranky when i when i do get a chance to do it i don't know <laughs> Uh, listener Paul wrote, um, have you looked, tried looking at Vipol? Yeah. I never heard of Vipol. No, I've not heard of it either. And I haven't clicked the link yet, so I don't know much about it, but I am definitely going to look at it because like we said, right at the beginning of the segment, Dave and I are looking for suggestions. Uh, at the moment, I have to be honest, uh, Gaz has kind of got me, he's, he's piqued my curiosity about Zencaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to look into that, but right now, in all fairness, wire seems to be working just fine. Yep. Well, uh, well, that's a play by you. It's good to have options, isn't it? That's so, very true. Vipol, Vipol is, is interesting. It looks like, um, kind of a, a UK based corporate, um, conferencing system. So that also might be interesting too. Hmm. Yeah. I never, I never really considered the conferencing focus because it's the same thing it's voice over ip um yeah that might be good i don't know i still like the idea of maybe broadcasting live over youtube while we do it but eh, i don't know it that it takes a lot more bandwidth and and many times the problems with the audio quality on the show is david's on a third world network or something (laughs) you know what it's fun funnily enough i've had endless complaints from my family while I've been away this week because obviously we've been talking to each other every day FaceTiming and stuff like that and often the FaceTime breaks down and they get that 
I yeah, I can I when they're on the iPad I can see it because all of a sudden they their face is not being lit by the screen and I know they're getting that thing that's saying you know poor connection video stopped um and and it, it's just it's now constant I think the problem is our connection at home is getting worse rather than better presumably because more people are using the DSL link that we're on yeah um. But it's very frustrating because they're always saying to me, oh, you've got to do something about this internet. There is literally nothing I can do because the the services we get are provided by a monopoly. Um, and that monopoly is not prepared to invest in our area. So it's never going to get any better until they, until they do that. The latest we had from OpenReach was that um, we could pay to have it upgraded. You know, and they said, oh, we could all get together. And if you can find five, six thousand pounds, then we can dig a trench and put fiber in. And it's like, <laughs> why? Hey, first, 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 yeah, I'm going to go around and start knocking on, on that house door saying, are you interested in contributing towards a five thousand pound bill? Um, and and secondly, yeah, why should we have to do that when um, other people <clears throat> just get it for free? Yeah. Um, you know, because because we'll pay for the service, but I don't want to have to pay to build the infrastructure. That is third world. Even if they charged you an extra twenty pounds, well, they can't. They can't do that because it's all been kind of broken up into pieces. So open. It's it's this weird privatization thing that we did. OpenReach is like the the infrastructure provider. They're still part of BT at the moment, but they're the, they they put the cables in the ground, and so they don't charge you anything because um, they. Do, they work with BT, and BT provides the service, or other people, uh, other companies can provide the service. So the problem is, they is is that they have no facility for charging you anything. So they can't say, okay, well, you can, uh, we'll put it in, and then we'll charge everyone an extra five pounds a month. There's there's no facility for them to do that because they're an independent company. So that's why the the system is broken. They basically invest in areas where there's demand, um, and the demand, the calculations are complicated and non-transparent and so nobody knows what they are and so actually once they've left an area trying to get them to come back and do anything is impossible now do you get decent lte coverage where you're at well yeah we do um and i'm I've kind of i'm kind of exploring that um just turning on your phone as a hot spot and using that for a show and well, see how that yeah, goes. the thing is if i was going to do that i'd want it to be like a fixed installation just using it um just off the phone and, and trying to share that across the house doesn't really work. No, I mean just for the show. If we if you're at home and you do the show, I wonder if that would yeah. be an, a marked improvement over the, your your home it, Wi-Fi. It would. To be honest with you, I try and avoid doing the show at home because there are also noise issues and um, location issues, and sure. I don't really actually have somewhere quiet where I can I can sit and do the show at home at the moment. We still haven't got that figured out. Um, so um, I, I try and do it from other places. Um, also, as well, because I get the better bandwidth of two. So I, you know, I mean, the bandwidth is just one issue at home. Yeah. Um, so. Well, let's move on. Um, yeah. You have something here that I am interested. So, what did you write here? Okay. So, everybody who listened to me on the show knows that for a start, I like buying stuff, um, and I also like a bargain. And sometimes I also like old computing stuff or, or not the latest and greatest. Sure. And this is this kind of a combination of things. This is something I, I ordered before I came out to Vegas and had sent to me while I was here. Um, and I, and I, so what I said is, would you be interested in the following? And I'm talking not just to you, Tim, but to the entire audience here. It's a brand new laptop 
It has a retina touchscreen, a solid metal chassis, really great build quality, including a fantastic backlit keyboard. Yeah, and a, and a glass trackpad pad that's really, really precise. It's got dual-core i5, 4 gig of RAM, a high-speed SSD, not the you know, proper enterprise, uh, like computing-class SSD, not like those EMC chips you get in, in kind of cheap tablets and, and laptops. Right. Yeah. It can run not only Windows, but it can run Mac OS and Linux as well. What, what do you think you'd pay for something like that? Oh, I would imagine a minimum nine ninety nine US dollars. Yeah, exactly. This is a computer that's the equivalent. I, I I'm fairly comfortable saying the equivalent of a of a good MacBook, three hundred fifty dollars. Really? This is the original two thousand and thirteen uh, Google Chromebook Pixel. Hmm. But even though it's a two thousand thirteen machine, you can still buy them brand new from resellers on eBay. And these are these are companies, these are not people reselling them, you know. Right. So I I bought this as a company. They have apparently have hundreds of them. And um they sent it to me and it literally was brand new. Still had the seal on the box. Everything was sealed up in plastic inside. And it's a brand new Google Pixel with LTE as well. I forgot to mention that. So it's got the LTE modem in there as well. Um and I always loved the the Chromebook Pixel. I always thought it was actually it's actually probably one of my favorite computers i picked this one up because i wanted one with the lte in it the thing about this is that it's a yeah i mean at the time they launched it it was 1300 dollars, i think and people thought they were crazy for coming up with a, a chromebook with those sorts of specifications you know but it is fantastically well built easily the equivalent of anything apple has ever made and i think it still holds its own with the latest macbook pros um but the thing is, being a Chromebook, yeah, yeah, it only runs Chrome, but it's trivial to put these in developer mode and install. Um, there's a there's an OS called Gallium OS, which is a Linux that's been specifically designed to run well on Chromebooks. Um, and it's it was ten minutes work to basically partition the drive um, automatically. I didn't need to do anything. The script did this all for me. To partition the drive, so Chrome is the, the Chrome OS is still on there. I, I think it's. I've given it about eight gigs uh, for Chrome, uh, and then the rest of it is running this this Gallium OS that's Linux. Um, and once you've got that, that on there, then you can run VirtualBox, a free emulate, uh, free virtualization software. And I've got a copy of Windows in there as well. I could even put Mac OS on there too. Everything works. It's absolutely fantastic. And this is what I've been using all. It's what I'm talking to you on now. Awesome. Um, yeah. And and if you if you if you're interested in kind of having a mess around computer, yeah, this is absolutely the thing to get because it's brand new. You you get a, a six month warranty. You don't get a full warranty on it. But there's nothing wrong with these machines. Yeah. The only downside I think is that um, being a four year old computer, they're not as good on power as the current ones are. The battery life on this is about five hours. But you know, to be honest with you, that that's absolutely fine. Most people. Even on computers, I see that that have like a full day's worth of battery. I still carry the charge around and are always plugging in whenever wherever oh, they get them anyway. Yep. Yeah. So so it's not an issue, and and it, it will just it it'll run anything you need it to run. You could even these ones won't run. Or the latest Chromebooks will run Android. These ones won't because the um, the kernels aren't 
um, the kernels in the Chrome OS haven't been updated by Google for that. But the thing is, that's not a problem either because you've got a Linux environment there. So you can run Android and emulation in Linux perfectly fine if you want to, if that's something you really need to do. But you don't really need Android apps on this because you can run full desktop applications. You can run crossover on there, so you can run um, games and Windows stuff without even having to go to the effort of, of VirtualBox if you don't want to. Crossover is a product we've talked about on my Mac before, um, and it's basically it's a version of Wine that allows you to run Windows applications natively, um, and it works really, really well on here as well. Um, it's you know, intriguing. Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant thing. $350 for a, a, a computer that... How, how'd you that, run across this? So I... I um, I was looking for stuff before I came out here, and, and I kind of, st- I did kind of stumble across it. I was toying with the idea of, of updating my Chromebook because I've got a kind of a, like an old um, HP Chromebook to a more modern one. I knew that that the um, the latest ones have kind of Core M processors in a bit like they're a bit like a MacBook. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about one, and what Samsung has one, and um, uh, who else has one? Um, um, HP has one as well, but also kind of looks a little bit like a MacBook Air. And I was toying the idea of buying one of those while I was out here, but they're, you know, they're five hundred dollars. They're a lot of money, um, and also they're not particularly easy to find. They're fairly popular, and so I was actually looking for those. And then I started thinking, well, maybe maybe somebody's got to use one on eBay, and that's when I stumbled across this instead. And I thought, well, no, that's absolutely what I want. And I really have been, you know, thrilled with it. It's absolutely fantastic. And as I say, if you want a mess around laptop, that's superb quality rather than some sort of cheap plastic thing then this is the sc- just for the screen alone the screen alone on this thing is amazing and it's touch screen as well so it's, it's yeah i found a listing uh this person has sold 86 of them 389 yep. uh yep. two years protection plan from square square trade free shipping uh comes from california uh yeah it, Looks like the real deal. Some yeah. of them, I, it's funny. Some of the sponsor ones are selling the same thing for seven hundred twenty-seven dollars. You're not well, looking. This is the original one. There is also the Chrome. This is too. This is the twenty thirteen four G LTE touchscreen. Oh right, okay, yeah. You have to. I mean, a lot of people want to get the later one, the two thousand and fifteen model, because that's that had better specs, much better battery life. Yeah, this is the um, one that and, you have. And, and it's, can, uh, that can run the latest version of Chrome OS, so it can run Android and stuff. But they're really hard to find, and if you do find them, they're very expensive. Four gigs of RAM, SSD, solid state drive, uh, Pixel sixty four gigabyte LTE, twelve point eight five inch screen, Intel Core i five third gen, uh, processor speed one point eight gigahertz. Yeah, this is it. Mini DisplayPort, yep. USB 2.0, uh, Bluetooth 3, backlit keyboard, built-in webcam, touchscreen, touchscreen resolution 2560 by 1700. So yeah, this is this is the one that you got. Uh, probably yeah. not the same buyer or seller. Um, Mobile Shark. Well, that's yeah. kind of an unfortunate it, name. <laughs> um, it, it was even better for me. I actually had a whole load of um, store points. Um, that I could convert to cash on eBay, so I, I actually paid about eighty pounds for this. Nice, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Huh. So uh, yeah, it's 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 very cool, and and I you know really is a bargain. I think if um, well, that's the uh, thing. If if you if you need something like this, if you do spend a little bit of time browsing eBay, 
and going with what you could kind of tell is a reputable buyer, you could find really good deals still. Yeah. You really can. I ordered this on a Thursday before I came out. It was here by Monday. That's awesome. So let's uh, thank our uh, other shows in the MyMac Podcasting Network. We didn't do this last week. Um, some of the latest shows in the network is the Geekiest Show Ever, number 270. No Eclipse for you. Sounds like they almost listened to our last show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> MyMac Podcast 670. Uh, Guy is missing again. Um, but, of course, Gaz let us know that he had Carl Mann on the show. So, um yeah, that's cool. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of a creepy uh, cover graphic for it this week. It's like naked people with iPads. Oh, creepy. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, there is a article from Simon Parnell that's how I record and edit the Essential Apple podcast. So if you think, if you've ever thought about doing your own podcast and it seems intimidating well here's an article you can actually read this and get some insight and last but not least is club nintendo number 170 and it's the world championships 2017 edition and they also talk about splatoon 2 which by the way i don't know if i talked about it here but we bought splatoon 2 cole loves it i think it's a fantastic game too you basically go around with a paint gun and you're mm-hmm. you're trying to paint all the surfaces um, in your color and at the end of the match and it's online only, although there's a single player, but it's more like a tutorial, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the single, in the online multiplayer, it does pit you against people at your level. It's pretty good about that. Um, and it's not really, it's not a violent game. You can shoot each other, but you're just making the other person. If you kill them, if you will, but you're not killing them, you make them go back to the beginning of your your base, if you will. And then you, you're just running around and trying to color as much as you can with this blobs of ink. And then whoever has colored the most at the end wins. And, it's, you know, as yeah. you win and get points and all that, you can get new uh, ink guns or paint rollers and or missiles that shoot ink. And it's kind of neat. Yeah, my, my kids used to play... Um, uh, if you want, if you this sounds fun, but you 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 don't want to play against other people. There's a similar kind of game called De Blob, which my kids have played. De Blob and De Blob Two, which is you 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 become this monster that has been all the colours been drained out of a city, and you have to colour it in. Um, uh, so it's a similar sort of game, but it's very much a a single person platformer puzzler rather than a, a multiplayer kind of combat game. So uh, that's also pretty good as well. It's a, it's it, it's an interesting concept. It's nice to sell. It's one of the nice things about the Nintendo platform is you do get these things that aren't ultra violent and that um, you know are still just as much fun, but without all the gore. Oh, absolutely. What is there like a, a, a lot of games that Alexander's into right now? Uh, well, the thing is. By the he, way, I sent you a message on. Uh, on wire. Right, he's uh, he's fourteen, so um, he's he's basically uh, you know he he's 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 moving away from the Nintendo stuff into the more violent things. Yeah, he's fourteen. He likes gore, <laughs> so he's he's discovered Call of Duty uh, and um, has 
has really really kind of gotten into that though i have to say i i i showed him um half-life 2 a while back and and he was really intrigued by that but he was particularly engaged by portal which you also get on the orange box which was that kind of bundle of games that half-life 2 came with um and he really really got into portal which is you know understandable it's a fantastic game so i got him portal 2 for the summer um he he actually sent me a message while i was out here in vegas this week saying that he'd finished portal 2 um but the good thing about portal 2 is that it has a, a completely separate completely different multiplayer game to it so um he's very keen for me to get home because he says now that he's finished the single player he wants to work with me to um to do the multiplayer component of portal 2 um the, with the multiplayer version of portal 2 you actually play two robots um trying to solve puzzles using these um this portal gun this ability to create connections between different parts of the level i've only done the single player on portal 2 yeah so so i i, I had the same thing because i had no display it with when i went through it the first time but now that he's into it um we can play that together so i'm, I'm looking forward to doing that when we get home well you know so, uh, my son cole loves video games big surprise i know but the thing is <laughs> especially during the summer months, as I record Tech Fan with you, Cole is actually real close by. And yep. he, quite honestly, David, has been really looking forward to coming on and talking about a few games. So I think we've got a few seconds here. We can we can have Cole come in here and talk about what he's into. Hey, Cole, yeah. would you like to come in here for a moment? Sure. So step up to the mic. I'm going to turn this... Here, you can hear David. Say hi, David. Hi, David. Hi. Hi, David. <laughs> so, I can't hear you when I do that, but um, let me ask you, dude. What have you been playing lately? What are your, some of your favorite games that you've been playing? Oh, one of my favorite games is Breath of the Wild. Yeah, you like that on... Now, you play Breath of the Wild on the Nintendo Wii U, and I play it on the Switch. We had to buy two copies of this game. Yeah, you got to talk loud. You can't just nod your head. You got to actually say words because they can't okay. they can't hear your nod. So, what do you like about Breath of the Wild? And now you've beat the game a bunch of times. Yeah, um, Ganon is pretty easy to beat when he's Dark Beast because all you have to do is shoot him. You just and that's shoot him. Just really easy. Yeah. So once you um, get into Hyrule Castle at, after you defeated all the divine beasts. And the part about the Divine Beasts, the hardest one for me was um, either the flying one or... The elephant one was kind of hard for me at first. That one was the easiest to yeah, me. Yeah, that was the easiest. I just yeah. couldn't figure out that I had to go down his big nose thing and, and, and go up there Oh, like the that. sand one was the hardest yeah, to me. Yeah, that was hard. <clears throat> so, other than... Breath of the Wild. What have you been playing on your iPad? Um, Cubic Castles. You like that? Yeah. yeah. And you have your own iPad. Yeah. Yeah. You got that from a friend of mine who sent it last year as a birthday present. You know who? Do you remember who sent it? No. His name is Sam. Sam Levin. He had a brand new iPad 3 that was never opened or anything, and he sent that to you. Pretty cool, huh? Sam would come on TechFan every now and then. Haven't talked to him quite a while, but... Maybe we'll have to have Sam on sometime, and you can talk to him yourself and thank him. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you? So, so you're what, playing. What, what do you have to do in cubic castles? So David asks, "What do you have to do in cubic castles?" 
Well, what you do <clears throat> is... Do you want a drink of this? Because it sounds like you get kind of a little bit of a frog in your throat there. Thanks. He's kind of like growly talking. All right. So what are you doing in Cuba Castles? Okay. So what you do is you can go around looking at people's shops and buy stuff. Or you can decorate your world with stuff that you buy. So what do you do in the game, though? I mean, if, if no one's ever played Cubic Castles, what, what is the game about? So it's basically about this little guy that you are, and you start off in this lobby place, uh-huh. and you ha- you have to do these quests okay. in order to level up. Or you and, can and what are the quests? Um, they're like to craft and mine stuff and go places. Oh, cool. And do parkours. Um, Parkour? Like jumping around and stuff? Yeah. Okay. They're really hard, but the easiest one is probably the blue course. The blue course, yeah. What else are you playing on the iPad? Um, Got to think about it for a minute. You spend a lot of time on Cubic Castles. Yeah. Yeah. You also play the PS4, too, or the PS3. Yeah. And sometimes we'll play the PS4 and we'll play Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah. And I'll kill you every time. No, I'm the one who kills you. No, I kill you every time. Mm. I'm so much better. He's giving me that look because we both know the truth. And he, yeah. His, his, his almost 10-year-old thumbs are just faster than mine or something now, right? Yeah. yeah. Way faster. Way faster. So what is your all-time favorite game right now? All-time? I actually don't know. You you played every one of the the Lego games on the PS3. Probably Minecraft or probably something. Minecraft is probably your favorite. Yeah. Or Hexer.io because I almost always get first. Hexer.io. Now what is that? Is Hexer. that the is that the is snake just, thing? It's not the snake one. You're this tiny school circle that goes around just trying to get as much area as you can and try to get to first. Sounds like fun. Well, thanks for coming on the show, dude. I appreciate it. You're welcome. See you later. Bye. So there you go. The uh, the video game preferences of Cole Robertson. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna send um, send Alexander Cubic Castles because that looks like a game that'd be right up his street. He really likes that game a lot. He talks about it quite a bit. Something good will happen. He'll come in, and he can't wait to tell us, me and, and Julie, yeah. what just happened in Cubic Castle. So it's it's a fun game. Um, he gets frustrated with it sometimes, like we all do playing games, but he keeps coming back to it. And he's been playing Cubic Castles for a, a good long while now. It's been probably six months at least that he's been playing that game, maybe longer. So That's uh, I, Good value. Now, is well, that, this one of these ones where you really need to put in that purchase to make no, he, make any not progress? Or? He hasn't spent a dime on it. So Good. That's, well, that's, that's the sort of thing I like. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, it, yep. it, at nine years old, if a game can hold his attention on and off for months and months and months, that's a good game. And he's got Absolutely. his choice of, yeah. of literally hundreds, hundreds of games on his iPad. You know, he's got most of the Lego games on there that um, uh, that's been released for the the iPad, which is at this point pretty much all of them. Uh, he he's got Minecraft on there. He's got just a ton of games, but yet Cubic Castle is the one he goes back to pretty regularly. Now he doesn't have an actual iPhone, so one of the things he does like to do is borrow when we're going places. 
uh, he, and at least he wants to. If my battery's low, I don't let him. But he likes to use my iPhone <clears throat> because I've got Pokemon Go on there. Now, I don't play Pokemon Go. The only reason I have it on my phone is for Cole to play it. So uh, he likes yeah. that as well. Even though it seems like the popularity of that was kind of a fad and it's kind of fading out at this point. Um, it still, he seems to enjoy it. So there's that. Let's uh, thank our sponsor here for a second, David. Uh, MaxSales.com, Otherworld Computing. They've got their annual garage sale going on right now and there if you if you're a tech guy and you're looking to get some cool things for your mac or pc on the cheap the owc garage sale is something that you always look forward to right now and i'm i just went to the garage sales front page uh and i've got it in list view so here's just a few of the things at the top you can get an apple magic mouse for 47.50 right now ship same day or you can get a Mighty Mouse, you know, the wired one, which, to be honest, David, I actually prefer the wired mouse. I don't know why, I just do. Um, yeah. For seventeen fifty, that's the one with the little ball at the top so you can do the scrolling, which I really yeah. like. I've always, I, I, this, you know, I've been using this Logitech mouse for a year or so now, and I, I just, I like the scroll wheel. I always have. Uh, you can get um, a two-and-a-half-inch SATA hard drive enclosure from Seagate. So you've got an older uh, laptop drive just sitting there, $5.75. Need a cable to plug it in? 85 cents. <laughs> 85 cents. You, you can't beat that. Uh, so nope. if you're looking for savings, this is what you want to look at. You're going to get really good deals on stuff you may not even realize that you kind of need or you kind of want. Uh, how about a newer technology universal drive adapter? USB 3 connects any two and a half, three and a half, or five and a quarter inch drive. You just, it, it's a little adapter. So you got an old hard drive, you don't want to spend the money to get a case for it. $27.50. That's pretty cool. So we want to thank OWC for sponsoring this episode of TechFan. The September garage sale just went live. Today is September 1st as we record this episode. So I'll put a link into uh, the garage sale. So, you yeah. It's a garage sale. Who doesn't like a garage sale? You go in, check things out. You don't know what you're looking for. Nothing spe you know, specific, but, oh, look at this. This is cool, and it's how much? Ah, I'll pick that up. I could use that. That's what it's all about. I like that. Going in and just kind of browsing without a, a particular thing in mind. I, uh, I I spent the first hours here. I spent a fun couple of hours at Fry's, which is just around yep. the corner from my hotel, just going through all the cheap stuff they have because they they basically do the same thing. They have big baskets full of clearance stuff. Yep, picking up cables and church keys and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like it's the same same sort of thing. It's like, oh, I, I I could use that. I didn't and know I look, wanted this until really I saw cheap. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to pick one of these things up. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So there's a couple news stories before we get to our uh, wiki trolling entry this week, which I picked. Um, and this one actually came up. It's it it was totally a random one. I went oh, I'm totally talking about this. This is a good one. Yeah. Uh, but the um, this is scary, David. It's uh, 465,000 patients told to visit doctor to patch. What? What do they need to patch? They're but a patch a critical, uh, in many senses of the word here, critical pacemaker vulnerability. Pacemaker. Keeping people alive. 
Why yeah. would you have to patch a pacemaker? What? Well, yeah, because basically, you know, you're thinking this this heartbeat pattern pattern I've got is boring. I want a new screensaver. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is to stop um, stop your pacemaker being hacked. Hacked. Someone could hack a pacemaker. <laughs> it's it's it's. It, it, if it wasn't so serious, it would be funny. Uh, and this is this comes after the manufacturer uh, a year a year ago received an advisory. Uh, there was a government advisory in this, and they said the advisory was false and misleading. They're now saying, come straight into your doctor and get your pacemaker patched. So, so to get it patched, uh, though, way, you have to go to an operation, yes? Well, not quite. So the 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 point about a pacemaker is. Because they don't want to open you up every time they need to change it, it has um, low-level radio capabilities to allow, allow it to be modified and maintained remotely. And the problem is, apparently that's been insecurely implemented in such a way that a malicious hacker could do the same thing. So they've now... Um, and and I, I, think the, I think manufacturers in this space have relied on the fact that to, to, for anybody to hack one of these devices would require a certain level of technical knowledge and also to be close to the patient. As they've gone, oh, well, you know, that's never going to happen. But, of course, they've now realized that, in fact, um, 465,000 pacemakers in the U.S. alone are affected. Um, and they've realized that, that actually... This is not good enough. So now you need to go to your doctor. And for the majority of the of cases, you won't need an operation. Your doctor will go in and we'll be able to reflash the firmware on this thing or whatever um, through radio. But the, the point is, is that, come on, guys. Come on. You're putting pink things in people's bodies that are electronics. And, and this, is, this, is, this isn't just pacemakers. It's right across the inter- industry. But when it comes to medical devices, it's, it's supremely important these things are secure. And security is being dealt with as an afterthought, you know, and, and it's not going to give you much confidence at all. If you're relying on this thing to keep you alive and you get a letter from your doctor saying you need to come in and have it updated because the manufacturer has told us that it's not secure and you could be hacked and that hack could kill you. Mm-hmm. You know what? What's That's the big scary. thing in tech at the moment? Ransomware. Yeah, ransomware. <laughs> so how about... Yeah, I hack your pacemaker, and then I email you and say, by the way, um, if you don't send me three bitcoins within the next seven days, your pacemaker is going to stop working, counting down. Yeah. And who wouldn't pay that? Are you going to take that right. chance? <laughs> exactly. Even if your pace, yeah, this is... <sighs> I mean, look, it is theoretical. There are no attacks like this in the one, but the point is... It doesn't nowadays. It doesn't take long for something that's theoretically possible to going to become actually possible. Well, here's the um, thing: people say, "Well, it's just theoretical. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. It's never actually happened." Well, here's the thing: had there been more governmental regulations in the city of Houston on building codes, a lot of the infrastructure that's just completely destroyed would have been better built to withstand the massive amounts of flooding that's happening right there uh, because of the hurricane. Now, would it have alleviated all the problems? No, of course not. But how many homes could have been saved or salvageable? Had they just done what some of the other cities that's that's under this constant threat has done? But no, the, oh, we don't want government regulations. That's bad. It hurts commerce. It blah blah blah. Free freedom. Well, there you go. 
you know well it, yeah unfortunately most companies have the freedom to cut corners to, to make more profits and, and that's, that's the, the problem. opportunity they take yeah so you know you, you got to have you got to try to minimize these things before something like this happens that when you have something in your body i would assume that the company that provides it has made it so it can't be hacked you know this is a life-saving device and to have this kind of a a, a critical error a, a, a critical vulnerability is almost unconscionable it really is uh, and and also looking at it purely from a capitalist perspective yeah stupid yeah because the first time a patient dies from this being hacked your yeah, stock you're going to get dead. sued and well, you're out and millions your, of dollars yep. to put you out of business and your stock price is going to go in the toilet exactly yeah stupid oh well uh, we're going to save the other one for another day at, at your okay. suggestion. So let's get right in at the 50-minute uh, mark here or so to our wiki trolling. Now, David, one of the first things that I ever got into collecting, and i got to go way back to probably 1978 or so, 77, 78, right around there. You know, Star Wars was a big thing for me. Uh, but that was kind of a one thing, one time thing because we didn't have VCRs or anything like that back in the seventies. And so I went to the movie theater. I saw Star Wars a number of times, um, but I wanted something at home, something that would fuel that kind of fun and action and an adventure. And one day my mom and I had walked up to um, a local pharmacy called Alexander's. It's on Capitol Avenue North, Northwest in Battle Creek, Michigan. It's long since gone now. But I remember going into Alexander's, and I had an allowance. I had like two bucks. And my mom was getting something at Alexander's, and we walked. And it was summertime. And I remember it clearly. I, 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 I've got a terrible memory, to be honest with you, David. But this is one of those seminal moments in your life that you remember. So I had my allowance. We go into Alexander's. My mom's getting whatever she's getting. And I kind of wandered through the store, bored. I didn't want to be there. But they had a comic book rack, the spinny metal rack, and it had all these comic books on it. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at the pictures uh, on the covers of, of some heroes that I had heard of and others that I had not. And there were some that really kind of caught my attention. And the ones that caught my attention that day happened to be Marvel comics. And the one I remember getting was a, a Hulk. And I thought it looked really cool. So I bought a few comic books and I had them in this little um, paper bag. And we walked home. And we had had uh, this camper when I was growing up. Pop-up camper. So it would pop straight up and then it would fold out from the middle to the outside and there's where the beds were and it was canvas right right there's a toe behind your camper and we had had it set up in our side yard because we were going to use it in a couple of weeks and you had to let these things air out you know i've been sitting on winter and spring and they get musty and smelly <clears throat> but i actually liked that musty smelly wet canvas type of thing and it was it was a setup in the side yard it was kind of my little fort if you will And I remember going in there, laying on one of the beds on my stomach and reading these two or three comic books. 
and the smell and it was humid and it was hot and I didn't care. I had the little breeze coming through the zipper down window screen reading these comics and I read each one a bunch of times, but especially that that incredible Hulk. And it and it gave me that same type of feeling that I got when I saw Star Wars for the first time in theaters in nineteen seventy seven. That there's a whole world out there of this kind of stuff that I'm very interested in. And so that began my comic book collecting days. Now, I've never really been a collector of comics. I was just a reader of comics. I, I wanted to read the stories. And so much so that one of the first things I ever wanted to do growing up was to become a comic book writer. I couldn't, I can't draw a straight line, David, but I can write. And one of the reasons I started my Mac magazine, now MyMac.com, was to hone my writing ability so I can eventually become a comic book writer. But it's probably not going to happen at this point, to be honest. So I was reading all the comic books of the day. Ten years or so later, uh, less, in 1984, uh, at this point there were dedicated comic book stores. And I remember going into the dedicated comic book store and they had this new thing where they would pull the issues that they knew you wanted and they would hold them for you. And I walk in and I get my comics and it wasn't many, two or three issues, but I had always go through what else was, you know, new that week. And there on the shelf was this comic book called Marvel superheroes, secret wars. And it had captain America on the cover uh, Wolverine, Cyclops, the Hulk, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Colossus, Storm, um, the Human Torch. So it was like all the big Marvel superheroes in one comic. And this was the very first of the mega events. Th- that concept didn't exist before then. You would see Spider-Man show up in Fantastic Four occasionally, and maybe the Human Torch would show up in Spider-Man's comic or you know, maybe you'd see Wolverine show up in Hulk, but that was about it. It was just a, a one issue type of thing. Well, this was a 12 issue limited series. So it's going to run for a whole year. It was an event and there was nothing like it before. And that is what our wiki trolling is this week. It's secret wars, the comic book series from 1984. It was groundbreaking. It was eye opening. I was at the right age, uh, written by Jim Shooter, uh, pencils by uh, Mike Zeck and Bob Layton. It was one of my favorite comic book series of all time. It wasn't greatly written. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't brilliant, but it was an event. So I was in. Yeah. Go ahead. Did we lose you? So I've got to be honest. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't in... I'm still here. Okay. Nope. He's not now. <laughs> That's too funny. It, it dies right then. Let's see if... Uh, we got you back? Can you hear me now? Uh, we can. Okay. Uh, I, I was just saying that, that at, at, at this age, same age as you, obviously, um, 1984, I was more into the English comics. I didn't really Judge Dredd read and stuff American like that. comics. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't, 
I've I've heard of Secret Wars, but until until I read this uh, this entry today from from Wikipedia, I wasn't really very clear on what it was. I knew it was it was a crossover event. I knew it was the the, the original kind of big comic event, but I didn't really know the plot of it. So I, I found this very interesting. Uh, unfortunately, I I think that you know Secret Wars was a victim of its own success in that, particularly over recent years. The uh, comic book publishers have have resorted to these to try and boost sales. Yeah, they have. The point that yeah, and nowadays it's there's a yearly event that goes on half the year, and then yeah. it's earth shattering. But of course, they reset things at the end. Exactly. Um, but and this that, and was different. The problem, right? The problem with it, with them now is that is that yeah, they, they you know there's this event fatigue. They're they're all kind of they're becoming quite derivative, which means it's and, and this is why I didn't realize exactly what Secret Wars was because. I've got in my head about half a dozen of these things, and and I can't keep track myself of what right. they really are. So here's the um, the basic premise of the Secret War. So there's a being that the Earthlings uh, come to know as the Beyonder. He lives in his own universe, basically. Some catastrophic thing happens that it, it opens a pinhole between his universe and the universe that all the heroes live in. And he starts observing the earth and what these heroes and villains and the earthlings are doing. And he becomes very intrigued. So he plucks out a number of heroes and villains. He creates this planet and he makes them fight. And the beyonder is, is just all powerful. And immediately that's the setup. Okay. It's going to be good guys against bad guys. Go. Well, it was more than that. Uh, the X-Men, of course, were sitting over there with the good guys, but they're mutants and they've always felt discriminated against for good reason. And so they immediately kind of extract themselves from the good guys. They're going to be their own faction. Uh, Magneto's with the good guys and the heroes, the Avengers are like, hey, what's what's he doing here? He's not a good guy. And the X-Men are like, well, he's a mutant. He's with us. So if you got a problem with him, you got a problem with us. Uh, the villains, of course, are kind of there <laughs> and, yeah. and doctor <clears throat> excuse me dr doom kind of takes charge and that's the setup and a lot of pivotal things happen in civil war or i'm sorry in secret war that had ramifications for many many years uh in one episode spider-man's costume gets so destroyed that he uses this alien technology he thinks is to make himself new clothes and he has this new costume, and it's all black with, you know, the white spider on the front. Uh, turns out that's the origins of Venom. It's actually an alien yeah. symbiote, not not clothes. Um, and it's funny because in the series, they set up that hey, he's like, hey, you found the machine that uh, I used to get my new costume. They're like, yeah, it's right there. And he's like, I, that's not the machine I used. What the heck? So, ooh, <laughs> foreshadowing. Um you know, the wasp gets captured by Magneto, and he tries to turn her into his side. He's kind of schmoozing her. Uh, Dr. Doom uh, tries to figure out how he can beat the Beyonder himself to get that power for himself, because that's who Dr. Doom is. It's a brilliant 12-issue limited series, and it didn't and also, suffer. This, was, um, this introduced the Skrulls. Um it introduced the the beginning of the scroll invasion, which became a, another big event later on. Yep. It, this but, this set up know. so many things. The thing stayed on um, this planet for a while. 
that the Beyonder had created, and the She-Hulk took his place in the Fantastic Four. That's kind of what made She-Hulk a more of a popular character. Um, it, it was just fantastic. You know, you got the... This was the first time that they really showed the Hulk as powerful as the Hulk really could be, because at one point, the bad guys drop an entire mountain on the heroes, a mountain. And the only thing that's causing this mountain not to just smash them is the Hulk. And so he's trying to hold up the, this mountain, or at least this pocket of it, and it's it's too much weight. He can't hold it up. But, of course, the matter he gets, the stronger he gets. So Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four, is basically kind of insulting him. Like, ah, see, that's all you're good for, just to, you know, that's why Banner goes away when you come out Hulk. You know, you're not smart like Banner. You're just a, a stupid brute. And, of course, this is pissing off the Hulk, who gets stronger. And by the time he... They break out. He's like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's little things like that. Spider-Man eavesdrops on the X-Men right before they kind of extract themselves from the heroes. And he beats the crap out of all the X-Men. So you see how powerful Spider-Man really could be, how fast he is, how strong he is, how agile he is. Uh, Nightcrawler is like, I'm just as fast as maneuverable. And Spider-Man just kind of swaps him away, like not on your best day. Uh, Wolverine comes after him and Spider-Man's just like, uh, your claws might scare the ballroom bullies, but to me, you're a joke. And he webs him in the face and smacks him away. And you're like, wow, Spider-Man's going to save the day. Let the Avengers know what's going on with the X-Men. But of course that's when professor X steps in and makes him forget. Um, hmm. it was little things like that, <clears throat> that the whole concept was great, but Mattel got the license to all these Marvel characters, but those Marvel characters weren't as popular, if you will, as the stuff that Keener had with the DC superheroes. So they wanted this event. They wanted something to happen to get people interested in the Marvel characters. And this is the concept that came up. So yeah. it, it started because so of the toy is, line. Yeah. Um, uh, well, this was the 80s, this is the way things were done back then. Sure. Well, this, is the, um, this is when He-Man was big. So, you know, they wanted to kind of get ahead of the next big wave of... And they toys. thought it might be superheroes. That that yeah, that didn't really work out for them, though. Mm -mm. Interesting. Now, yeah. you said you never read it. Are you interested in going back and picking this up and actually reading it? Uh, you know what? I have um, I have Marvel Unlimited, so I, I am going to go and read this now. It's really good. Um, I got to say, it, yeah. it, it's one of those comic series that actually do hold up over time. and But it, at the same time, it was definitely a product of its time. There's things going on that if you weren't reading the X-Men at the time or the Avengers or see what was going on, that this is one of those rare times that the Hulk wasn't a savage monster. He actually had Bruce Banner's brain. Um, <clears throat> those kind of things that you, you don't quite get the context of, but it really doesn't yeah, matter. I'll, I'll have to look on... So we're losing David again. Hello? Yep, we're still here. Um, often Marvel Unlimited is quite good at bringing in other issues from other things to kind of give you the context of that. Hopefully they've, uh, they've done that when you, when I come look at this, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to look into that, but you don't so need to, if, next if, week. if you just yeah. simply start at episode or uh, issue one of secret wars and read all 12 issues. Now 
everyone hated Secret Wars number two. I actually really enjoyed it at the time. Um, but you don't need to read it. It has nothing to do with the first series. It does, but it doesn't. Who cares? Just read those first 12 issues and, and let us know what you think next week here at TechFan. Yeah, I will do. I've, I've read it 50 times. Um, yeah. You know, I've got the original issue still somewhere in the basement. But, of course, any comic books I read now, I do on the iPad. Like you. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's how I'll do this. Yeah. yeah. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of TechFan. Of course, we would love to get feedback from you guys. Uh, do any of you guys read comics out there? And if so, which ones? Uh, did you read The Secret Wars? What, do you, what, what are your memories of that? Or do you not have memories of that? Let us know. The show at techfanpodcast.com. That's our email address. Uh, that comes to both David and myself. You can always find us on uh, Twitter at techfanpodcast or at mymac. And, of course, we are on facebook even though we don't really promote it that much make sure you check out the other shows in the my mac podcasting network and visit our sponsor MacSales.com. uh david i don't know if i'll be here next week actually we might have to uh do the show a little bit later i've got a dental appointment at the same time we'd be recording and it's gonna be a little difficult to uh talk and you know in the dentist okay. chair so we'll we'll play it by ear but we will have a show next week at some point some way somehow Speak to you then. Bye.